All right. Thank you, team, for leading us in worship. And uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into Ephesians here. We're going to Ephesians 4, 31 through 5, 2. And some of you, there's a small handful that do the Wednesday night Zoom. The beginning part of this is going to be a little bit of a review for that. And uh, we went in much more depth on Wednesday. So we'll do a little bit of a review. Uh, but for most people in here, I think it'll be new. And then we're going to dive into a couple verses in chapter five. I said we were wrapping up chapter four last week, and we kind of did, but we're kind of didn't. So we're going to keep going from there. So I just want to give a, a little bit of a review. And uh, my slides are being different, but I'm not even going to mess with it. So chapters one through three, remember we talked about the wealth in Christ, the walk with Christ and warfare in Christ for Christ is kind of the outline of our book or sit, walk, stand. Um, so chapters one through three talk about all the wonderful things we've been given because of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are spiritually rich. It says we've been given every spiritual blessing. And a lot of times, it, kind of even going back to what I was saying just a bit ago, if you have nothing else in your life that you feel like you can praise God for, you can praise God for the spiritual blessings you have. Even if everything else, relationally, financially, health-wise, everything's uh, kind of going to pot, you can be grateful for what you have <clears throat> and I have in Jesus Christ. Because thinking about the reality of being forgiven by an almighty God and him not holding your sins against you is priceless. And that's even beyond a MasterCard commercial saying, like literally priceless. It really is to have that. So we have all these wonderful blessings in Christ. And then in chapter four, he starts talking about the walk with Christ, our walk with Christ. We're wealthy. So let's walk like spiritually wealthy people. And so one of the things he talked about was walking in unity and talked about our spiritual gifts, if you remember that, and the importance of every single member of the body contributing, that Christ designed the church to grow naturally, but it's with each part, each member doing its part. And then in verses 17 to 24, uh, we start talking about now that you have Christ, we need to live like it. We need to put this these certain things off and put other things on. Do you remember that? That was mostly what we talked about last week. Really the three important parts in that, if I had to bullet point, it would be this. Put off the old. Have your mind renewed by the spirit and put on the new. Every one of those three are critical in that. It's not just behavior management. It's not just uh, forcing you, yourself to stop doing bad things but it really is having your mind and heart renewed by God so that you can do those things that you're supposed to. And then verses 25 to 32 continues to kind of build on that, but it's talking a little more specifically about letting God transform our actions and our attitudes. That kind of feel like you got, you remember what we've been talking about, Samia? Okay, good. Now, <clears throat> I want to ask you guys few questions. We're not going to belabor this. We're not going to talk about this for a long time, but just a few questions to kind of get our head into the, the text today and prepare us. What do you think of when you hear the word love? Like maybe what pictures come to mind or what are some thoughts that come to your mind when you hear the word love? 
That was one of my first ones too. Imagine that. God, okay. Someone said Jesus, I think. Patience, okay. Okay. You guys are one step ahead of things a little bit. Families. Particularly husbands, right? Just kidding. <laughs> it's uh, maybe you think of romance, maybe you think of family, maybe you think of God. Um, but we all have kind of maybe a few main pillars that we think of when we think of love. Um, and so let me just ask you this Does love come naturally? And if you're like, well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. What are some instances where love, if you do think this, that love just kind of comes naturally? God, okay. God's baby kids, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take as much work to just love a kid right off the bat, right? Right. What else? Kids are the only ones that love comes natural. <laughs> Kids and God. Okay. Um, puppies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, humility is, it definitely makes it easier, more natural to love somebody. It's hard to love a porcupine sometimes, right? When they just... <laughs> Some of us can be porcupines. Um, when does it not come naturally? You're like, yeah, I love that person, but I don't feel like warm, fuzzy feelings right now. Contrary to you, kind of the opposite of contrite, contrary. Yeah, what else? Okay, you're stressed out personally, yeah, yeah. What's that? Just say God again, yeah. I was going to call Dave out. No, Dave's just going with the God, Bible, Jesus answer every time. Like, okay, okay. You're right again. No. Yeah. All right, so do you think we need to learn how to love? Where do we usually learn how to love? Our family, maybe our upbringing, probably our experience. Sometimes not. Bible. Those who loved us, maybe it is in a church situation, maybe it's in a family situation, maybe it's in a foster care situation, maybe it might be varied. Um, and then I'll just skip to this, and this is might be different for everybody, but how do you learn better? Someone explaining how to do something? To, you know, some people learn, they just hear it, and if they hear it, they got it, or by um, somebody showing you how to do something and modeling it. Like for me, that's like, if I, someone can give me a string of instructions, okay, you just need to, you know, how to, your computer's messed up, let me just tell you how to do it, and they're on the phone, they're like, I, this makes no sense to me. But then as soon as they go like, okay, click that, and then and then you're sitting there watching them do it, like, oh, this makes perfect sense, this isn't, isn't hard. So I, I would say modeling for me, you probably know you're kind of how you learn. Um, and so with that, I kind of want to just use that because today what we're going to be talking about is learning to love and then living in that love. And so I believe we really do need to learn how to love. We learned probably some good things and some bad things in this world of our way of love or what love is. 
Uh, but obviously God has a perfect way for us to love. And so by looking at his word and looking at his example, we can learn and he has modeled it. It's like we talk about, just show me how to fix it. Like, don't just give me a bunch of instructions. God has showed us how to love and he's modeled it so that we can live that way. So let me just pray one more time and then we'll move through this text. Father, I thank you for loving us, even though we don't deserve it. Thank you for being the perfect example of love and in every way, I feel like you've demonstrated every type of love that we would ever need demonstrated. I pray that you would one, open up our hearts to your love even more today, that uh, maybe some of us have accepted your love in certain ways or certain areas of life, but really need your love to kind of sneak into the dark corners of our life that we don't feel lovable. I pray that you would do that. Just open up our hearts to your love in a new way. And also that you would motivate, uh, teach, point to us specific ways that we can be loving others in our life. And we believe you can do that through your word and through your Holy Spirit. So we just want to surrender the rest of our time here to you and ask you to work in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So these verses, um, I'm going to continue on. Whoops, I don't know why this is fighting me. These are some of the verses we looked at from last week. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is kind of the same idea of having these things. These are the things we are to put off. And if you look at this list, all those seem very similar, don't they? Kind of When I kind of hear this, it just sounds like, He's saying the same thing uh, in just 20 different ways. And in, in a sense, that is six different ways, really, uh, specifically. In, in a way, that's true. There is a heart and attitude here, but these have different meanings. And so we're going to get into this a little bit, but maybe you tend towards one of these rather than another. And as we go through them, maybe you'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't really think about the difference there. But he says, this is what we're to put on. So put off those things and instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're going to talk about that <clears throat> a little more specific. But here he says, are some of the things we're supposed to. He said six things to put off, kind to one another, tenderhearted, and forgiving what we're supposed to put on i remember last week we talked about this like so what's the new perspective we're supposed to have do you remember that we said to put off the put on and how are we supposed to view things different the what we're supposed to view different now is that god in christ forgave us so that's what was done for us the example has been given then uh, in chapter five it continues on it says therefore be imitators of god as dear children when i read, read this um just in preparing Boy, that's hard to teach on. Okay, so here's your guys. Here's, here's what the takeaway. This is what I want you to do this week. Be like God. I mean, where do you start with that? That's kind of like, okay, yeah, already failed. Like, good, good luck. Uh, you know, I'm going to fail before I even get out the door. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. There's some doctrine we're going to have to get into here a little bit 
But there's also some very, very practical ways out of this passage that be like God becomes very practical and very, uh, I don't want to say achievable that you're going to perfectly be like God, but to where you can make progress becoming more like him. So let's just start with these verses. Let all bitterness, <clears throat> anger, clamor, and evil, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So here's some of those. I, I, we could spend a lot of time on this. I'm not. Here's some of those words. Bitterness is a resentment or like a bitter hatred. It has the idea of maybe continuing to just ruminate on something over and over and over. And so bitterness might never come out for a long time. It usually, I think it seeps out eventually, but it can just lay dormant and you can be living in bitterness and be a bitter person. And you're just rehashing the last three things that person has done wrong to you and how you were wronged and how you were wronged and how you were wronged and you become bitter. And I'm not saying you weren't wronged. Maybe you were legitimately wronged and sinned against maybe minor, maybe major horrifically but resentment just hangs on to it bitterness hangs on to it the na the next thing he says to get rid of is wrath and that's rage marked by an uncontrolled outburst so this has the idea of explosive outward anger this has the idea of uh flipping out freaking out maybe you're violently uh angry you know people here deal with anger in different ways Wrath is the person that punches holes in the wall or kicks, ruins their own stuff or ruins other people's stuff or beats someone up or uh, those, those type of things. Flips out, road rage, that's this wrath. Anger uh, is like an agitation or a dis displeasure. It's kind of like if you picture a, a pot, it's just kind of like a low simmer, just constantly just. And again, this can just be maybe a more internal thing to where you just have this, uh, you, you're just kind of in a sense of just being aggravated, aggravated, aggravated with a specific person, with a situation or whatever it may be. And so you may have a few of these things. My guess is you have one or two that kind of stick out as your natural tendency. And sometimes we pick these up as a coping mechanism. Sometimes wrath, rage, is a good coping mechanism for getting your way, right? And maybe anger is another way. You just get cold-hearted and quiet and resentful, and you just clam up. And then people are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What did I do? Can I? And they, they start walking on eggshells around you. And so these are the things we are to put off. Clamor is just yelling, shouting, screaming. I mean, the word clamor, I feel like, you kind of get a feeling just from that word clamor, right? Uh, that, that kind of person. Slander. This person is, uh, or it says evil speaking in the passage. This person is using harmful words. Maybe it's directly to the person, but it may be to other people. So it could be, you know, uh, Tina does something wrong. I never go talk to Tina about it. But boy, I harm her with my words, I'm going to talk to David Butler, like, you would not believe what Tina did last week. I can't believe it. And it was like this, and, that, and I blow this thing out of proportion or whatever, and I, I never deal with it. The words that are coming out of my mouth are harmful to her 
even though she never ever hears one of them ever and finds out about it. She doesn't even know, and I'm harming her with my words. Malice is just ill will towards another's wanting or being happy about something bad happening for another person. Maybe you can exp you can relate to that. Like you don't really want to uh, ad admit that you have this kind of like a hatred or a malice for somebody, but you hear they didn't get the job, and you're like, yes, they didn't deserve to get the job. They've been so like, so and so. Uh, I'll, I'll get you in just a second, uh, Diana. Do you, can, can you kind of maybe see where you have a tendency towards one of these or another? And again, it's not like, okay, all, all the ragers, raise your hand. Those are the sinners over there. That group of people is really sinful and bad and they need to stop raging. Now, all the calm, bubbling underneath angry people and bitter people, good job for keeping it all bottled up and inside. <laughs> No, like we're all on we're all on equal footing here, whatever your tendency is. Diana. Yeah. 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 There's a lot I could say on that. I I'll say this. So so one, you may be thinking someone's having this towards you and it's not even necessarily exactly what's going on. But even more, I think to your point is, and we talked about this on Wednesday night, this can create, if you, if someone doesn't step out of this, you will create a vicious cycle because what will happen is the rager rages and then the bitter person, maybe they never say another word about it, but they're in bitterness. And so they don't warm back up or reconnect or make it right or whatever it is. And then so what happens? The, I mean, if you're, I'm talking about like maybe a family situation or something. And then the ragers go on like, you've just been so cold hearted to me. You're cranky. You're, you're snippy. You're, and then they rage. And then the person becomes more bitter. So it usually takes somebody. And we could go through 20 different examples of this. It usually takes somebody to step out of this for that cycle to be broken. Just at least one person to stop that cycle from going. I don't believe this is the big heart of this message in, uh, in what Paul's saying. But I think it's important for us to look at it because it's very practical. I think what he's talking about is talking more about the love that we're supposed to be demonstrating. But I think it's important for us sometimes to be able to kind of see our own tendencies. So I wanted to take at least a few minutes on that. Any other questions or thoughts? Hopefully you can re relate to that and go like, yeah, I, I can, I can uh, identify some of my tendencies, my go-to sin tendencies in there. Again, I want to just make really clear. Some of this stuff is very overt and some of it's very covert. So you may be the person that smiles and laughs and everything seems fine. But if we really knew maybe there is some bitterness uh, from years ago, or, but he wants us to put those things off. So here's the other side of that, putting on. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So kind of like we talked about just breaking that cycle, here's how that cycle is broken. 
someone's cold-hearted towards you, someone's uh, clamorous towards you, yells out, yells, freaks out, curses at you, whatever. The way to short-circuit that whole thing, that whole program is this. And this happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We be kind to one another. We'll talk a little bit about more about that. We be tender-hearted with each other, and we forgive one another. Think of how many arguments you've had that could be stopped if just one person did this. I'm not even saying you both got to do it, or all three of you, or all five of you, whatever. Just if one person did this, it would short-circuit the whole mess. And also, I'll just say, it will diffuse it. And I will say in the heat of the moment, you never want to be this person. You're always wanting the other person to be the person that does this. That's where it goes. You're like, no, this is on me to do this. this, this these verses apply to me. I need to be that person right now. And everything in you will justify why not. Well, they're not going to really get it unless I tell them why this is wrong, right? Is it just me or is that kind of, that's kind of what happens, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a doormat again. No one's saying to be a doormat, but be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. So here has the idea. Kind has the idea of mild, pleasant, easy to deal with. Um, I kind of laugh because, man, I know that this is not me, especially in the heat of the moment. Like, uh, you know, for Carly and I are having a conflict, and she's like, wow, I just really appreciate the mild, pleasant, easy to deal with way you're handling this right now rich so christ-like and mature I, I mean i'm embarrassed to say like yeah this is uh i'm speaking to myself in this tenderhearted would be being compassionate sympathetic and soft-hearted and sometimes this is one an easier thing to do is if you see someone freaking out see someone or uh, they're bitter towards you or you're getting a cold-heartedness if you can kind of step back and see like, oh, I can see maybe why some of what I've done has caused this or what their past has been like, why they would have a tendency to do those things. Uh, but that we would be tenderhearted, have our soft heart towards one another. And then forgiving is to pardon graciously and freely and to let go of the wrongs done to you. I want to just say here, forgiveness doesn't mean it doesn't take away the fact that you were wrong or that person legitimately sinned against you or harmed you or did something bad to you. It's not saying that like, oh, no, it's okay. That wasn't a big deal. It maybe was a huge deal. But forgiveness learns to pardon and to say, I'm going to let go. I'm not going to continue to hold that against you. And let's, this is what I believe the key of the passage is here. Even as God in Christ forgave you. I think that's the important part for us to be able to get a hold of. Practically speaking, again, I'll just use, say Carly and I are having a conflict. Let's say it's a big one, big conflict. If one of us, you know what happens in that situation is there's blame going both ways. There's accusations going both ways. There's thoughts about what she shouldn't have done that. And she's, well, I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have done this. And well, I didn't if you. But if just one of us stops and says, you know what? Christ has forgiven me of a lot of wrongs and given me second and third and fourth and fifth chances 
He's been so kind to me, even though I deserve to be snuffed out. He's been very tenderhearted to me. He's been sympathetic and he, he's understanding with me. And I don't deserve that. I'm going to be that way for her. I don't think she deserves it right now. I want to strangle her. But Jesus was that way to me. And so I'm going to treat her the same way Jesus has treated me. And think vice versa. If she's like, yeah, Rich definitely does not deserve any tender hearted compassion. But you know what? Jesus was that way towards me. And so I'm going to be that way towards him. He doesn't deserve it, but I'm going to be that way towards him. You see how that changes everything? It changes everything. And I will say, one of the keys in this, and one of the biggest problems in this, is I think we don't, we don't realize how much God has forgiven us. And that's either, one, because we don't realize how big of a mess up we are and a sinner we are. And then maybe you do realize that, and you're like, I'm too big of a mess up. And then so you shut your heart off towards God's love and don't receive it, enjoy his forgiveness. And you're like, I wouldn't forgive a guy like me. I know all the stuff I've done. There's no way God really is tenderhearted towards me. There's no way he has a soft heart. So for this to happen, I believe we need to ourselves begin to receive the love of Jesus Christ and believe and receive his forgiveness, his love, his affection, his kindness towards us. So we can go, I received that. I can do that just even by faith for somebody else. Make sense? Okay. Any questions or thoughts? Sure.
Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's kind of where we're, we're talking about is in those very practical situations, just being able to kind of stop the crazy cycle. And, um, yeah, and I think, you know, whether it's a Chinese culture thing or different homes here, people were very affectionate and loving and said, I love you in other homes. It was like, never heard, you know, I've never heard that. So there's all kind of different situations, but the, the bottom line is just being able to apply that in the heat of the moment. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Again, I just want to remind us that the reason that to do this is because God has done it without us deserving it. That's the motive, our motivation there. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. There's a lot in here and we're not going to get into all of it. I, can, I was planning on it, but once again, I've over estimated my abilities um, sorely um, but let's just talk a little bit about this first phrase okay let's just talk a little bit about that therefore be imitators of God as dear children the, the instructions here are pretty clear imitate God and when I hear that man I just feel so overwhelmed that uh, it just kind of takes the wind right out of my sails I'm like he created the world like he's sustaining everything right now he knows perfect justice he knows perfect love like i'm supposed to imitate that yeah right uh i can barely handle one normal thing in a day getting just a, through a normal day um righteously or uh, walking with god so how am i supposed to imitate god well we'll talk a little bit more about that but Let's look at some real practical ways, just in these couple verses. What do you think it means to imitate God? Go through these verses and tell me what is, because this is the context. We're reading it right in the context. I didn't go, uh, be imitators of God. Uh, go ahead and turn to Genesis. No, these are the verses that we're looking at. They're right. Paul put them all together for a reason. So what are some ways that we can imitate God? Being kind. What's another way we can imitate God? <laughs> yeah, and Jesus was not a wimp. He was not weak, but he was meek and he was humble. Hey, let's go through this first. I got all afternoon, guys. What else? <laughs> what was that? I know. <laughs> let's see. Stubborn was on the list. I can't get you're like, you met your match, Rich. <laughs> We'll see your stubbornness and raise you 30 people. Um, <laughs> Tenderhearted. Go ahead. Three 
Yeah, I think that's kind of ties together what you and uh, Car you and Carly are saying similar thoughts. And I feel like that is probably let's just kind of use one phrase to use there. It is attainable. You're not perfectly going to be like God until uh, I mean, we'll be conformed to his image ultimately in heaven. But it is attainable to be taking steps to become more and more Christ-like, more and more God-like. God-like means godly. Uh, and that is attainable. Arlene. Yep, you're 100% right. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit more in just a second, but uh, thank you for sharing that. Because again, that's what I tried to say at the very beginning. We're not talking about anger management, uh, self-help, you know, just really buckle down. We're talking about being transformed by the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. And it happens. Uh, we need Christ, uh, one, to realize what Christ and God have done for us, and two, to walk in that. And it's, this is supernatural stuff. If you've ever tried to quit being angry on your own or bitter on your own, it almost can become uh, obsessive and become uh, continues. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant right now. Do not. And so what are you thinking of? And you're like, okay, I'm going to quit thinking about how they wronged me. I got to stop thinking about it. I got to quit thinking about what they did. They, okay. I'm done thinking about what. So, so we need Christ. This isn't a gimmicky self-help stuff, Ginger. No. Yeah. Sometimes Yeah. 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 Well, it's actually, I was going to say, you've heard a lot of sister stuff recently. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, the sister stuff. Um, and, and let me also just say some of this, we talked about, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. Some of this is just a cognitive choice, also. Some of it, this begins by part of being kind. You may not be like, oh, let me, let me help you. 
and, and I mean, bless Lily and that she's being so kind. She's running over supplies and stuff. Some of you may be like, my first step in kindness is not saying the bad words I'm thinking. That's all I got to do is keep my mouth shut. It's simmering here. And so when you say growing out of it, it's not usually like uh, bippity boppity boom, magic wand, and it's gone. It's, it's usually this process of growing, taking scripture that we're talking about and continuing to learn. So uh, I'll give you the last one since you kind of were fighting me on them. Uh, forgive one another. Rob, thank you, Rob, kind of from getting me to just force it. Um, and then he continues to say, walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. So we're not, we're not going to get deeply into this, but another practical, it's kind of general, is to love sacrificially. So we can have those, we can be kind. And again, maybe that's just zipping it to start out with. We can be tender-hearted. Maybe that's a choice in your mind to begin to think like, I'm going to think compassionately. Why should I have compassion on this person? I'm going to choose to forgive this person because Christ forgave me of a lot of stuff I don't do. Maybe you're making those conscious choices. But then also you begin to go, what does this look like? I'm having to make some sacrifices here. I'm having to sacrifice my pride. I'm having to sacrifice maybe my control of the situation. I'm maybe having to. So that's what it really practically looks like to imitate God. That is achievable. That's not easy. It's not always fun, but that is possible. And then, so I just want to kind of go a little bit to uh, part of Arlene's comment, and we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Part of it's possible, or this is possible. Because we are God's children and we've been given his life. We've, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given the life of God in us. We've been given a new spirit. We've been made new. It's not possible because we're a bunch of really nice, loving people in this room. It's possible because we have the living God indwelling us. And I can't wrap my brain around that. But by faith, I can say I have the ability to walk with God because I am his child and I've become a child of God. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Let me just kind of go, we'll get to these other verses, but let me just kind of give a uh, quick application. If you're like, that was good, okay. Let me ask you this. What do you need most to apply these verses to this week? I'm sorry. Who do you need most to apply these verses to this week? I, I wrote this long up there. Like, so in what ways do you need to apply this? Who are the specific people? Maybe you have like, okay, let's be real practical. There are some people I can apply this to. And then maybe even go more specific. What's one specific way you can obey these instructions this week? What does it look like in concrete, real terms? So I would challenge you to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that all these things are possible because of him. I thank you that we have a church body where we can talk and be real about whether it's uh, victories or failures. And uh, thank you for loving us no matter where we are on a day of great victory or a day of great failure, that you still love us and give us that perfect example of love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.